The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 23rd chapter. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So as I mentioned last week, uh, this is in fact the final Sunday of the church year, a Sunday called Christ the King, or the reign of Christ, which means we begin Advent, a new church year, uh, next week. And as I've been reflecting on the conclusion or the end of this church year, I was actually reminded of how we began the program year a few months ago in September. I don't know if you remember that, but we had sort of a back to basics theme with three uh, weeks of messages about some basics of what we're called to do as Christians. I'm not going to test to see whether you remember them this morning. I will remind you of what we talked about though for those three weeks. We talked about the ways that we as Christians are called to worship, to serve the poor, and to evangelize. So we're called to come together and be reminded of who and whose we are. That's worship. We're called to accompany and support those who are hurting in mind, body, or spirit. That's serving the poor. And we're called to share God's amazing love to a world in need. Uh, Not only through what we say, but through what we do, the way we live. That's evangelism. Now, I thought of that not because I want to retread that or repeat that, but rather because it occurred to me that as we come to the end of this church year, it might be helpful to lift up just a couple of basic things that we can reflect on today on this Christ the King Sunday, which again anticipates the full and complete reign of the eternal king, as Tricia just talked about in her children's sermon. So I want to do just that. I want to lift up two truths, I guess, about uh, who we are and whose we are as it relates to Christ the King. Uh, The first is, and again, we're at the last Sunday of the church year, the end of the church year. And so the first thing I want to suggest today is that as Christians, we know how the story ends. And we could talk about that in a lot of different ways. A few examples might be that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, in the words of Martin Luther, Christ has defeated sin, death, and the devil. That would be very accurate. 
Or we could look at the reading that Laura read for us this morning from Colossians, which is a book, by the way, filled with image, images of Christ as the eternal king. And in verse 13, we're told that God has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom, right? A king has a kingdom. So God has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's another way we could talk about it. Or in what is perhaps my favorite summary of the Christian <clears throat> truth, in words from J.R.R. Tolkien, you all know Tolkien, the author of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, who was, by the way, a faithful Christian. Here's what he says. Here's how he summarizes everything we believe as Christians. The birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus means that one day everything sad will come untrue. The birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus means that one day everything sad will become untrue. I love that line. I love that image. Which means that here today, now as Christians, because we know how the story ends, we can live how? In faith and hope and trust in, in understanding that one day we will see God face to face, that we will know as we are known, right? So that's the first point I want to make out or make point out. The other one is sort of a, a corollary, I guess, or it's certainly implied by everything I just said. You notice how everything I said was, we know how the story will end someday, right? Which suggests what? That the story is not yet complete here and now. Which means, and this is the second point I want to make, as Christians, we not only have the privilege of, of seeing and trusting how the story will end, but we have the incredible responsibility of participating with God in making God's kingdom a present reality here and now. Which is why, for example, the Lord's Prayer, which we pray all the time, is not the prayer of a spectator. I know some of you are gonna be going to the Vikings game today, maybe some of you were at the Gophers game yesterday. The Lord's Prayer is not the prayer of people sitting in the stands observing, saying, oh, I wonder how God's going to care for his world today, right? When we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's the prayer of people who God loves so much. That's you, folks. That God says, I need you to help me with the reconciling, healing work of the world right now, here, today. Now you may say, all right, well, Tim, how do we do that? And honestly, I would say we do that back to the start of the church or the, the program year um, by focusing on those three things I lifted up then that Christians have always done. We gather to worship, we serve the poor, and we evangelize. I'm not gonna repeat what I said in those messages. You're certainly welcome to go back online and find them if you want. What I do wanna do though today is lift up one example uh, that, that makes clear this point I'm making of how we participate in God's ongoing healing work in the world today. To be clear, this is not the only example, not by a long shot, 
I could lift up a thousand examples like it. I'm not even suggesting it's the most important necessarily, but it is timely because this past week I was reminded of it, and so I thought it made sense, again, to report it back to you. I'm thinking here of one of the ministries we're supporting through our current three-year capital appeal. We're in the first of those three years during 2022. The ministry is called Rise Early Learning Center. It was the brainchild of another Lutheran church in the area. Um, and it's actually, uh, it's going to be low-income housing with an early church children's center or child care center, learning center embedded into that. And interestingly, it's on the site of a Lutheran church that uh, closed its doors a few years ago. So it's a great sort of resurrection story of that location. And this is being supported by about eight uh, faith communities, including St. Philip Deacon, including some synagogues. And what it will mean is that next year, uh, 22 or 62 children will have access to these services. In this past week, I went to a breakfast where they talked about the progress. Uh, construction began in sept September of this past year. It'll be completed by November. A gentleman named Art Rolnick, do some of you know that name? was the keynote speaker. Art Rolnick uh, is a former a senior economist with the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis and a fellow at the Humphrey Institute. Uh, I had the great privilege of sitting next to him at this breakfast. Uh, and he has become, as an economist, a huge advocate for investing in early child uh, learning efforts like this because as an economist, and he has studied this, he has discovered that the return on those investments is so extraordinarily huge, right? So huge, in fact, that when he first started studying it, he couldn't believe the kind of return he was getting based on the data, so he sent it to a Nobel Prize-winning economist who's a friend of his to have him double-check the data. He wrote back and said, nope, you got it right, right? Now, I'm not gonna go chapter and verse into all of that. It was fascinating to listen to him speak. I am simply going to lift up this morning this fact that thanks to people like you, thanks to congregations like this, next November, 62 children will have access to early learning uh, support that they would not otherwise have. And that means that their lives will be changed. And it means the lives of their families will be changed which means the life of the community they live in will be changed, which means the world will be changed. Again, it's not the only example. It is one important one, though, about how we are invited to participate in God's healing and reconciling work in the world today. So today, on this last Sunday of the church year, I simply want to say to each and every one of you, thank you. Thank you for making this a place where, first of all, we can indeed come and be reminded of how the story ends. And folks, that is important. It's important to allow us to live lives of hope and faith and trust. But thank you as well for listening to the way God invites us into his ongoing work of healing and restoring the world today. This has been an amazing year for St. Philip Deacon, and I look forward with you as we look ahead to next year. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Loving God, we give you thanks for drawing us together again this morning to be reminded of how the story ends. 
We thank you for giving us a sense of hope and faith and trust that we can live our lives out with today. And we thank you as well for the way you love us so much that you invite us to participate in your healing work in the world. I pray this morning you will give us the courage always to respond to that invitation. And all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.